We're on number. Th- we're on week three now, the Armor of God series, and um, we're still on truth. We didn't make it off of truth. If you remember that we started it three weeks ago, those of you who are here, and it comes from this verse. We're going to go through the entire armor, but this is the verse that launched us. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Uh, We talked about how a lot of translation says the belt of truth, but if you're going to follow Paul, actually, literally, it's the girdle of truth. It's the center of everything, the the girdle, the Roman girdle that they put on, uh, everything attached to. So we talked first and foremost, the truth is the center of everything. But because it's spiritual armor, it has a second purpose, and that is to guard us from deception. We spent some time talking about last week how we need to be on our guard against deception and falsehood entering our lives, and it doesn't usually enter our lives through bad things. It usually enters our lives through good things. And so the whole sermon last week was talking about how to recognize deception in good things in our life. And so that was uh, last week. This week, we're going to finish up with the third thing that the truth does. The truth convicts. Now, I know this isn't a very popular teaching today with some mainstream, or not mainstream, but television evangelists, uh, Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, to name two. They don't believe the truth does convict. Uh, they believe that that's only the world it convicts. But actually, the Holy Spirit came, I believe, to, to, to not only convict the world of sin, but also of us. In John, um, this is what Jesus is saying, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, all truth. And that's part of that is, you know, he also goes and says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I believe that we actually are convicted by the Holy Spirit, and the reason why is because I have a different definition, I think, of convict than they're using. The word convict actually has a couple definitions. One is, I send you the slammer if I'm the judge, you know, ban the gavel, that's conviction, 10 years off to prison. That's a conviction. But that's not the only way the conviction is used. It's also used to be convinced of something. You used to hear the term, a man of his convictions. You don't hear it much anymore. You don't have a lot of men of their convictions anymore, I guess. But, but that's another term. And if you look at the base Greek word, it means both things. So I believe what Jesus is saying is, first of all, he's talking about the whole world, including us at that time, because it's also talking about righteousness, which we're also convinced of. But the reason why I think he's saying this is that the Holy Spirit's job is to convince you of the sin in your life so you can remove it from your life. And uh, that is the way it goes. Now, if, if we're going to recognize the fact that we are worshiping a God, and um, we're worshiping a God who literally calls himself the truth and the life. If you remember, uh, he came and he said that I... I, um, I came here to testify to the truth. We have to recognize that that God is not okay with you living a falsehood. The God who calls himself the truth is not okay with you living a lie. So we have to recognize that as we come in. So we need to examine the evidence of our lives. We need to find the falsehood that's already in. Last week, we talked about avoiding it, keeping it away. But guess what? Some of it made it in before you started it. And the God who says he's the way, the truth, and the life is simply not going to be okay with his servants living in a lie. So the problem is that falsehood that's made into our life, especially before we were saved, is sometimes so deep, buried so deep, that we forgot it's even there, if we ever knew. But we've now forgotten that it's there. But just because it's buried and just because you don't think about it doesn't mean it's not hurting you. And that's what I'm going to try to convince you of today, convince, convict you of today, is that this is actually hurting you, and because of that, we need it out of our lives, right? It's hurting your walk with the Lord. And I was trying to come up with some kind of a metaphor or some kind of a parable or some way that I could express this, and then it occurred to me, I actually have one of these given to me about seven years ago when I started developing a condition called a Morton aroma. 
Now, I don't know if anybody knows what that is. I know some people do, um, like Brian, who, who plays bass for us. Uh, he actually has had a, a neuroma surgery, so he knows what it is. But for those of you who are blessed enough never to have gone through this, let me explain to you what it is. It's actually uh, a tumor. It's considered a tumor, but it's 99.9% uh, benign, which is fun to say, 99.9 benign. But uh, it's, it's almost never cancerous, but it is considered a tumor because it's a growth that grows on your nerve, and it grows specifically on a nerve in your foot, and usually between uh, two of your toes. I've got them in both my feet, which my doctor told me was very rare, and I thought, well, you know, if you're going to do something, <laughs> do it right. So I got left and right neuroma going, and um, it actually feels very weird because you've got this growth, and you can feel it, but you can't find it. It's kind of deep. It's deep inside there. Uh, but what happens is it grows, and as it grows, it starts pushing against things, and it's on a nerve. So pushing against things when you're on a nerve is not good. You know the expression, you're on my last nerve? Well, that's what it is. It's on your last nerve, and that's not good. Uh, it does weird things to you, but also if you step on it just the wrong way, so it presses back against that nerve, it is like someone took a cattle prod and tapped you in the toe with it. It is really some kind of a jolt that you get. It's not fun. So when I first felt it, I started uh, thinking it was my shoes. I kept replacing my shoes, but it wasn't working because of my, my foot. It felt like I had a, a, a sock rolled up underneath my toes. Have you ever had that feeling? It was always there, though. And so uh, I finally went to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, the only thing we can really do for neuroma is operate. You know, but there are some things we can try that sometimes work. I said, let's do that. And so he says, okay. And so they started shooting me up uh, 